Second. Well, good morning, everybody. This is Patriot Dave, a.k.a. Pops, from View from the Cheap Seats. I'd like to welcome our guest, Joe Mastrangelo, to this mini-sode called Kneeling It Out. He's the son of the gentleman for whom the Patriots Fan of the Year Memorial Trophy is named after, Joseph R. Mastrangelo, a trophy which I am proud to own, being named the 2000 Fan of the Year. So, good morning, Joe. How you doing? I'm fine, David. How are you? Good, good, good. We'd like to thank you for taking your time to do this podcast for our listeners. I mean, this uh, mini-sode interview for our podcast listeners. I just have a few questions for you, if you don't mind. Not a problem. Go ahead, shoot. All right. The first question is, we know the trophy is named after your father. How did this come about? In uh, 1986, uh, in April of 86, soon after the uh, Super Bowl in, uh, against Chicago. Ugh, that was a rough one. <laughs> yeah, that was tough. That was tough. My, my father was there at that game, and um, in April, he died very suddenly. Of, uh, of a heart attack that was called sudden death. Oof. I was living in New York at the time, and then I picked up my family and relocated back to Massachusetts um, to be near my my, my mother and, and the rest of my brothers, etc. Yep. And I went into business with my older brother. And as uh, in June, I had an idea of starting a the award, um, and I wrote to then owner Billy Sullivan. And I basically asked for two things in my letter. I explained who my father was, who basically was his original season ticket holder from 1960. Uh, he's part of the crew that went out of uh, what's called Greasy Village in, in Cambridge. And um, he uh, was a devout fan in the years when, honestly, they, they were abysmal. In yep. the they had that one good year, but they, they were abysmal. Yep, I remember going to the games and have you know being with six thousand of my closest friends, and that was about it. You know, there wasn't a lot of people there. <laughs> well, in those days there was a lot of there was everybody was still giant fans, mm-hmm. and it was very interesting and ironic in a way when they opened the stadium in seventy one, seventy two, the that the first preseason game was against the Giants. It was like mayhem. I was at that with my dad. Mm. Um, but um, what I asked Billy Sullivan to do was to consider having a Patriot Fan of the Year Award which would honor the most valuable fan of that of the year, um, of that particular year, any year. And the Mr. Angelo family would provide a trophy, a bronze trophy, uh, named after my father, Joseph R. Mr. Angelo, and it would have, I think it's three, four, five, five fans sitting in the stands, and one of them standing up, and that's my dad. Yep. And... Uh, this would be given annually, and the family would supply the trophy. I also asked if we could have a moment of silence on behalf of to my father as a, uh, a ticket holder, just a regular everyman type fan. And to my astonishment, Billy Sullivan said, yes. So I remember opening game when we hoisted up the AFC banner, uh, championship banner, at, it was a Colt game in 1986 at September uh, I was standing with my mother, and uh, they put my father's picture on the Diamond Vision board, or, um, and everybody had a moment of silence on his behalf. And I looked at my mother, and tears were streaming down her, her face, and I just said, you know, Ma, he deserved it. Yep. And she just looked, she looked at me with a little bit of a smile. And then, since then, 
I went through different owners, of course, with the Cayenne, and then um, uh, Orth Wine, and then finally the uh, the Crash bought the team, which was a a, a welcomed. <laughs> yes, it was. Nothing, no, nothing bad against the Sullivans, but they really uh, that was a, a rough time with that, you know. Really. The Crash have been outstanding in support of the award. Um, they recognize truly what it means. And, and what it means to the fan and the fans um, in winning something like this. And um, the fact that you have to be nominated by somebody else's letter. Yep. It's not just a contest. You can submit your name. Uh, that we really look for how people nominate you, mm-hmm. which is telling us that you and your loyalty and your devotion to the Patriots have taken the game off the field. And you're, and you're dealing with your family and your friends on, on a daily basis with that experience. And, and that's really most important. And I gotta tell you, over the years, I guess what, well, we're into uh, 33 now. Yep. Um, that, uh, my father is dwarfed <laughs> by some of the fans that have, uh, won this award. So oh, believe me, I'm I'm very proud of that award. Let me tell you, I tell everybody about that. Everybody sees a trophy. It's got a a very pronounced area down here in the shrine, and I appreciate it. I know that Fleet Bank was involved in that for a while, wasn't it? And then like Bank of America has it now, or something, along with the Patriots and your family. It was actually the the first the, when the when the Crafts took it over, they asked if if we would um, be open to a, a co-sponsor. And um, I said, okay, who do you have in mind? And they had uh, the Bank of Boston. And the CEO of the Bank of Boston at that time was Chad Gifford. Yeah, that's the gentleman and, that I was with when I got my trophy. Right. And, and believe it or not, he still has an office at the Bank of America in Boston. Really? <laughs> so through all the mergers, you know, Bay Bank and Boston Bank and yep. uh, America, Chad Gifford is still... Uh, in the background, he was very pleased and uh, with the award, and the bank has been outstanding in their support, in their personal support. They don't treat this award in a corporate manner. They're they're very much down to earth uh, in the personal side on this. It's very important to them. Good. And uh, so we're very grateful as a family for the bank um, and for, uh, of course, the the Kraft family. And their, and their support. So the thing that I found very interesting is that there really isn't another ward like this. Yeah, see, that was you my know? next question. I mean, I, I know that, that you know, I was wondering if this was, if this brand recognition award was, like, modeled after some other team, or is it just something that the Patriots have? Because I know that some teams do it now, but I know that the Patriots are, like, the longest-running fan recognition award in the NFL right now. This is, uh, it really came as, as, uh, heartfelt of, ex- uh, of expression of my, uh, um, missing my father. And, and then missing my father, who was a very good friend of mine, he was only 60 when he died. Yeah. I would be good if I could find a way to connect him with the Patriots, the team that he loved so much. Nice. So I just figured out that we'd, we'd do this award, and I was, Again, surprised um, that other teams in the NFL, baseball, hockey, basketball, pro soccer do not have this type of recognition. And the teams that have a fan recognition 
Um, they have a, a jersey up in Seattle. I think you can nominate yourself into a contest in, in mm-hmm. Green Bay or type of thing, and that's all. And that's all well and good. It's very nice, but it's not on the same type of level that what we've had in New England, where other people have to write on your behalf. Yep. I mean, the first, the first winner um, was uh, from Maryland, and. Uh, he would drive up from Maryland on Friday night to Maine to have a lobster dinner, then drive then from Maine to the Red Fox Motel on the one, then go to the game, and then drive back to Maryland. Wow. Is that uh, the gentleman with the fire truck? No. No. The thing that, that, was, that I found uh, very interesting about that was I looked at my wife when I was reading the letters of those in those days, and uh, I said, this person is not married. And <laughs> this person must have either a state or a municipal job. And she says, why? And I said, because that's the only way that he would able, be able to get um, that much time off to go to home games and away games. He had a Camaro. I think he had 380,000 miles on his engine. Wow. And, and so it was kind <laughs> Man. It was uh, um, it was it was really something that I found uh, very interesting. Yep, I mean, uh, Bill, when, Bill Leonard was is, is his name. Yep, Bill, and uh, there there were some very interesting moments. We had special ed uh, teacher who would bring Patriot players into the her class of six kids. Wow. Uh, we had people who started uh, websites and internets for people all over the world to connect to. Yeah, we're uh, definitely one, everywhere. Oh, my, the one lady was making uh, custom jewelry for the Patriot cheerleaders. Wow. Well, it's it like the two sisters that come from the Cape, right? The two sisters that are like you, 60 or 70, mean, they you, take the ferry over every game. and. You, you, you mean the three sisters? Three sisters. Okay. Yep. I mean... <laughs> The first time that me and my sister-in-law and my brother-in-law went to training camp was when they were in Smithfield. I think it was a year right before the Bears, and it was like 11 people at training camp, and now it's just packed. I mean, I know it's really easy to be a Patriots fan now, but a lot of people feel that only season ticket holders can win this award. Um, but I think do the judging people and, and, that are nom- and the people that are nominated, they like to see how you do other stuff in the community, right? Instead of just, you know, like, not, well, like the type of person you are besides just a to, fan? Well, first and foremost, it's not a community award. The community award is something like the Myra Craft. There's a Myra Craft Award, which is really recognition of people that they, what they do in the community. Yeah. And the year award, it's what you do with the, uh, how you take this award off um, off the field. Yeah, do, do things do things in your community. Like I said, I mean, because I, I I would expect that you know since your family has a say in it, that you'd rather that you really want to have a decent person to represent your family and the Patriots organization, obviously. But it, it's not just season ticket holders that can win this, right? Well, the it's the, there's a uh, no. The, the answer is no. That anybody can win this. Okay. Uh, it, it, it's. It's something that, but you, you, what you want to do is understand uh, how you weigh something. Um, uh, one of the most, I think for me personally, 
without ever winning the award, my personal moment of what off the field means would be uh, the third year that we gave the award away to a gentleman named Clinton Coolidge. I got a letter from his um, daughter, and he was dying of terminal cancer. And he would come from New Hampshire and not take any medication so he could be lucid. Yeah. Watch the game. He'd be in his wheelchair in tremendous pain watching the game. Hmm. And um, he decided to, that he would be a, a great recipient of the award. One of the things that he did is he was a New England college referee, football referee. Hmm. And so everything was being tied together. And when I went to the pregame presentation, I remember the Colts we were playing the Colts, and then the old Schaefer Stadium, Foxborough Stadium, and I was behind the Patriot bench during warm-ups, and the previous one of Jack McCarthy, who had 56 season tickets, wow. was a Patriot scout in the early days of the 60s, he um, asked me, he said, Joe, can I ask you a favor? And I said, sure, Jack, what? He says, we have a kid here, teenager, that has, uh, I think, uh, I'm, I'm trying to remember, I think it was Hodgkin's non-lymphoma, uh, the cancer. Mm-hmm. Uh, he said, would you mind if he makes the presentation with you? I said, not at all, Jack. Where is he? He goes, we'll give him to you. And they mosh pit him down the stands about 10 rows and hand him to me over that six-foot wall. Wow. And then he gets down there, and I said, listen, I'm really... I'm very thankful that you're going to do this with me. He goes, oh, no, that's okay. <laughs> so I said, this is the award. I said, you want to try to hold it? And he grabbed it. And the award, as you know, weighs about between 18 to 20 pounds, 21 pounds, because it's bronze. Yeah. He held on to that so well. And we walked across the field, and uh, there was Clinton Coolidge, not in a wheelchair, but with a cane. Mm. His daughter was behind him. And I think we had... I, I might have been Darren Ferris there, and um, uh, I think Billy Sullivan was there. Trying to remember, a long time ago, and um, they gave him an award. And there was about forty some odd thousand people in the stands pregame at that point, and they all stood and gave him a round of applause. And there he was, holding that award in one arm, his cane in the other. He looked around, and it was his moment in the sun. Yep. I looked behind him and his daughter was weeping and uh, then I walked across the field and I lifted up the, the young teenager and gave him back to, to Jack and they marched pit him away and as I turned to walk away a little a hand grabbed me on my shoulder and turned around and it was the uh, teenager's mother and she said to me thank you very much for you take after using my son in the presentation I said no you've got it all wrong he did great. Thank you for allowing me to use him, for him being uh, a part of the presentation. Awesome. So for me, that was a very meaningful moment to me on many different levels, especially with the cancer as recognition aspect. Because later on, in, uh, six years ago, I ended up getting cancer, which I'm, knock on wood, uh, uh, on pretty good. You know, mm. no problem. So, um, so it was... Uh, there's a lot of emotion and a lot of personal dedication and commitment that to me is important in some of the attributes in being recognized for receiving the award. Nice.
Yeah, see, my mother had my mother was a season ticket holder way back when too, and she passed away at 59 from cancer also. So I I, I know how you're feeling there. Um, so does your family have the last decision of of who gets the award? I mean, I know that they have no, a committee no, no, that goes over. No, not at all. It's what it is. It's, it's evolved into a very uh, the award. Well, this is very interesting. Through each organization, okay. If you look at the Sullivans, it was basically where, where just my, you know, myself, or uh, uh, Victor Kayam. It was a kind of, uh, in a way, it really wasn't embraced very well under the Kayam organization. Yeah. And then when Horthline was in there, it was mm. even worse. Yeah, because they wanted to move the team too. Thank God, Mr. Kraft stepped up and saved us here. A little, a little trivia. Um, that year that Orfline, um did the uh, had the team, the fan, the fan of the year award was actually sponsored by WBC Radio. Wow. With Jill and Gino. Well, didn't he have something to do with Orthwine? Didn't he have something to do with Budweiser also? I know I can't really throw a yeah, product name. Yeah, his family, his family was a significant um, sh- uh, shareholder yeah. in uh, Budweiser beers. Yeah, Anheuser-Busch. And bet- uh, then when, when the Crafts came in, it was very interesting because I had a call from Governor Weld's office at the time, and they, Governor Weld wanted to give Kraft a Fan of the Year Award trophy. And then I told them that the Nostrangelo family is going to do that, so they invited me, along with Bruce Armstrong, um, the representative for Foxborough, Mayor Menino, and Governor Well. We <laughs> did a um, tribute at Faneuil uh, Marketplace uh, in Boston, and then later on I brought, uh, I presented Mr. Kraft a trophy. Um, some of the Strangelo family recognize him as the ultimate Patriots fan. Nice. And we put an inscription of my little speech was on the back because um, I don't fully, I don't think that the younger fans fully understand how desperate it was in the late sixties. No, they don't understand. I mean, I my like I said, I I went to the games in the early eighties and stuff, and the late seventies when I was old enough, and there was very few people there at all. No lines to get in or out. Nothing like it is now. I'll bet when your family started this trophy years ago, I bet even you or your father wouldn't have known. You know, nine Super Bowls later, you know, it's just we went from nothing. Oh, I think yeah, that's uh, there's another uh, the first banner. On that Thursday night game that was that was hoisted at Gillette, um, everybody was going crazy except yours truly. I, I admit freely I was on my knee, one knee, crying like a baby, missing my old man. Yeah, well, we I I actually went to that Super Bowl thanks to to you guys because I guess you know because of the fan of the year they put two tickets aside for us to go to that Super Bowl in New Orleans and I was there for that banner raising the next year that was it was a great time it really was. It's, these are the these are the moments that people will remember. Mm-hmm. It's it's like when you play sports and when they talk about Tom Brady they're not gonna. Honestly, they won't talk about how many awards he won, two bowls he won, stuff like that. They're going to talk about how he played. Yep. 
out his determination. His dedication, too. He was definitely... Exactly. Yep. Exactly. And it's, it's something that, for us as fans, we take back certain memories and moments, whether it's the snow game, um, whether it's when um, um, Bledsoe threw for like 500 yards against the uh, Vikings and came back that game. It, mm. There's a lot of there's a lot of different moments that you're that you remember that yep. you're privy to. Like Ozzy Osbourne being there, and I was at the Snow Bowl, and then we had the Titans really cold game, and yeah, there's been a lot of great moments that I've seen being, you know, a ticket holder and stuff like that. But you got to admit, Mr. Kraft is like really, really, him and his family has turned this organization now with like the new stadium, and it's almost like a whole new team and a whole new, I don't know, I I, want to say swagger in New England. You know, because everybody used to, you know, they see the Patriots on their schedule and go, "Oh, that's a win, that's a win." But not anymore. They've they've got a fear of the Patriots now. I, I think the, the Patriots have have morphed into the, the dreaded Dallas Cowboys of the seventies. Yeah, um, or the Niners and the Packers of old. Yep, definitely. But the, thing, the thing that the thing the Kraft family has done, and I think this is important for all fans to fully appreciate and understand. They have not only made a great team; they've made a great franchise. Mm-hmm. They've really, they've really elevated the bar relative to what a, a NFL franchise should be, yep. and the consistency, the culture for uh, a team to to develop and win or to aspire to be yep. and the, like the whole Patriot place now it's like a you could spend the whole day there I mean it, with the hall and now with Patriot place with all that shopping in there and stuff in there it, it makes it like a, a day destination now instead of just being a football team they, they've got different things that you can do there to spend the day and the hall is the hall is beautiful I've been in there a couple of times and it, it really is a nice place I, th- I think that the, the, the quality that's very important. The Kraft family has brought a lot of class and 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 high level quality yep. appreciation to the fans. They provided a, uh, an environment and a forum there for you to go to. I mean, it's a great stadium. And like, um, and when the new when the new players come here, like they call it, we're going to do it the Patriot way, which is definitely a different way than most teams in the NFL, obviously. Well, you can, I mean, I, I hate to use this word in this conversation, but you can look back to the, uh, the, the Yankees of the 1950s. There was a definite way. Mm-hmm. Well, and, and the Red Sox certainly weren't playing that game in the 50s. No. But there was a way that you have to, you know, there's a work ethic here um, that's very, you know, that's a, it's really established and, you, and, and, a, and an intellectual level that's expected from the players. That's why you have such a complicated uh, offense. Yep. You really, you really, it's not just about running, you know, ten routes by number, do number seven, number five, number six. There are many options on each route based on where you line up, slot, or your wide out, or your your wing. No matter where you are, that determines the options you have, and those options are based on the defense that you read in front of you. That Brady's reading the same thing, and he and does that very well, no doubt about it. Right, exactly. The thing about that's why they emphasize you got to be, uh, you know, Brady's going to trust you and 
not a matter of trust. It's a matter of them being on the same page relative to reading the, the, the defense. If Brady reads the defense a certain way, meaning you're in that certain position, he expects you to do an out and you're doing an in. You're going to hear about it. <laughs> well, the, yeah, the thing, the thing is that you have to read the same. You know that he's reading the defense correctly. I yep. mean, he's been at it now, what, 19 years. So, again, culture, consistency. Yep. How many offensive uh, systems has Brady had to deal with? Only basically a Charlie White system. Yep. Yep. That's um, been all, all the way, all the way through to this point. They, when they, a person becomes an offensive coordinator like Josh McDaniels, he's not throwing out the baby in the bathwater. He's taking what's there and, and developing, developing it even further. So we're we're very very uh, lucky as fans to not only have a good team but to have a good ownership. Which yep. has created the environment you want. I mean, just look around the NFL to the type of ownership that you have in those particular teams. I won't go by names, but look no, me down. either. I'm thinking of a couple myself you know, in my head, but I'm not saying it. Yeah, <laughs> I'm not going to name owners, but I can name you know cities that are you know Cleveland for crying out loud. I mean, I'd be I'd be I'd be bloodletting in that city. Yep. Well, that's the thing also about Bill is, you know, he, he sees these diamonds in a rough, you know, he, he, he gets these players and gets a lot of, like, like, let's say Randy Moss, for instance, everybody's like, well, that's going to be a waste. And he came and played for the Patriots and he did outstanding for us. I mean, I know there's going to be a lot of new faces this year on the Patriots, but is anybody standing out to you? I mean, I'm, I like this, what, I don't know how you pronounce it, but the Jawan Bentley, that kid there, I think he's going to be a beast for us this year. Well, it's uh, when I when I look what I look at is really what's happening. Um, I mean, it's, I went to uh, when I met with the Patriots for the you know preparing for this year's award. Um, I went to training camp and watched training camp, which is a great experience. I would urge everybody to take a day uh, next summer. Yep. Over there, there's plenty of concessions and there are stands to sit down and it, the, the uh, the pace of the practice moves very quickly, and um, there's a lot of amenities there. And, well, plus uh, they have the season ticket holder close practice too, right? In the stadium, they still do that. I for just the season ticket holders, and that's a great experience too. I mean, that was quite enjoyable. I remember one time when I went to that. That's when they were just getting ready to build a new stadium, and Mr. Kraft had all the fans up there, and we got to sit up in the big boxes watching the, the practice, which was a great thing. I, I enjoyed that quite a lot. Um, now, a question that's really got a lot of people's feathers ruffles is this new helmet rule. I mean, leading with the helmet, the contact rule. I think that's going to be, this could make for a long year, especially, I mean, because obviously every referee has their own human interpretation of, of this rule. Because, I mean, if you notice, and I've been watching some of the preseason games, and some of these guys are definitely calling it different. I mean, is it? I, I just think it, it could affect the playoff game. I mean, how do you feel about that? I know we're trying to go play player safety, but, I mean, it's just, I, I think some of it's a little too ticky-tack at times. Well, I've heard. A, I can't. I can't put this stat in, in, in uh, perspective, but I think there in, in, in so many particular games there was like thirty six calls on this. Yep. First two games in preseason, there was like thirty six calls, and it was kind of all over the place. And then in the third uh, week, they weren't calling it basically at all. So I think, and then the NFL was trying to put a training video together for everybody to understand what's going on. I, I really 
I really don't think, uh, and being a Patriots fan, I don't really think the NFL necessarily thinks out things the way they should. Yeah. Uh, the kind of prep preparation that they really should, and evidence to that we know from our past in particular, but where we have this mess now with this rule, I don't think that they're going to allow this type of rule to change um, playoff games and, and, and games going into that are where teams are fighting for playoff um, berths. Yeah, I sure hope I really so. Don't see, I don't really think that's going to happen. I think that the, the fan reaction and the media the media reaction would be overwhelming to the NFL. I mean, their viewership was down last year. Yeah. Well, I um, think if that does well, happen, if they if they do, you know, screw somebody in the in a playoff game, I think maybe maybe they'll finally put the tuck rule to rest here. But yeah, I just I'm so worried about that because, like you said, anytime you have human beings involved in this, it's going to be their interpretation. You know, like look at the you know hitting the defenseless receivers. Sometimes they call it, sometimes they don't, and it depends on the person that sees it. You know, that's what's going to kind of make it hard for this. So. Um, just a couple more questions here, Joe. I don't want to take up too much more of your time here. Um, who do you who do you think is going to be the biggest threat to the Patriots in the AFC East this year? Miami, Jets, or Buffalo? Well, that's a, that's a very interesting question. I think the um, I think Buffalo has always played us very well. I think the Jet the Jets match up against us very well. Um, so they always they. They uh, play it straight up pretty well, pretty tough. Uh, Miami, down in Miami, is always a difficult game. Um, I don't uh, see the the offenses of any of the three being able to uh, significantly overpower the Patriots or put them in a position where they're going to uh, take over the AFC East. Not anytime soon, team. anyway. No, no, not really. I mean, I just, I really uh, don't see. I mean, I know Buffalo is a good. I had a good defense, and again, Miami plays very strong uh, in Miami. Um, but um, the Jets, the Jets in in Meadowlands are very tough for us. There, it's and maybe in terms of record, sub five hundred teams or just five hundred teams, but. As you know, when people come to play the Patriots or the Patriots come to town... They give them their best. They're, they're, it's like their Super Bowl, you know? Playoff game. And uh, on any given day, I mean, you have to step up just because you're the Patriots. You're not, you're not going to be able to just walk in there and walk out with a W. No. And uh, that's one of the disciplines that, that, that Bill is, uh, uh, Belichick has, you know, part of his mantra coming across you got to come to play and if you I don't know if you were watching one of the uh, preseason games uh, we were down by like two touchdowns and there was a celebration of a tackle on the field and yeah yeah the Carolina game yeah and your bill said like you're down by 14 points what are you you guys doing yep the thing of it is is he he tries to keep them from to tries to keep them from playing down to their competition because sometimes I think you know like I said they they get a losing team in there and, and they think they're going to glide through it but I, I think Bill has got them away from that. Um, just one more question here: What do you think your what's your season prediction for this year? I've been bouncing it around. I'm still saying 13 and three, even with you know Edelman being out for four games and the receiver core being kind of new, but I'm still saying 13 and three this year. 
Well, I, I, I'll tell you, the, um, I've never, I don't want to avoid your question, but I've never really given numerical predictions of where the Pats are going to be. I always, I'd love for them to be 13-3. and three. Yep. Uh, I'd like for them to be 15-1. and one. Um, <laughs> I'd like I, to see another 16-0 and 0 season and finish it off this yeah, year, but... I, I, I would love to, instead of making a prediction, uh, give you a goal. I would like for them to have home field advantage through the playoffs. Yes. Yep. Because Gillette, because Gillette's a rough place I, to play. Right. Yeah, and uh, so that that's uh, that's something that I that I'm looking forward to is if they can play a good season. Remember, as you know, the first four games they're just trying to figure out what team they have. You don't really know what team they have until you're in October. Yep. Yeah, because yeah, it's usually the first, like like we've said, you know, it's it's the first five or four or five weeks of the season before the team really starts playing, before you start really seeing quality football, you know, I mean, you're still trying to work the bug out, the bugs out and, you know, get the rookies involved and stuff like that, so. Yeah, there's a lot of, on the receiving core, for example, there's a lot of interesting new players that are really going to have to step up and, uh, and you know, let's see what, what they can do, and um Cordero uh, Patterson looks pretty good so yeah. far in the preseason. It's tremendous quickness, good moves, good hands, look really well. And, uh, and but, I, you know, again, it, it all depends on over those first four weeks and how they can settle down with each other. Yep. I mean, Brady has a lot of weapons, and people tend to forget that. Yep. As long as Gronk can stay healthy too, you know that's that's one of the big things every year that. You know, I mean, we win without him, but we definitely win a little easier with him as long as we can keep him healthy this year, you know? Yeah. Uh, you know, you got the, the tight end situation is going to be interesting to watch in the final cuts. Yes, it is, because it's going to be, I know they're going to start this week. I, you know, that's the one thing I like about Bill is that, you know, if he likes you and he's not going to keep you, he doesn't wait till the last day to cut you because, you know, so many teams have so many people so many players flooding the market that he'll let you go early so you have a chance to find another team to play with instead of, you know, being one of those hundred or whatever players that are going to be cut now and have no job. So, I mean, it's kind of nice that he helps these guys out a little bit. Yeah, well, I think that one of the misconceptions of Bill Belichick is the fact that he does, you know, he is very distant from his players and he's cold and he doesn't like these guys and he uses them and then when he doesn't need them, he discards them and Mm-hmm. I, so, I mean, I think that he, first of all, he's a, a football historian. He knows what it is to work hard, and he respects, he respects anybody that plays for him, that works hard, and is committed. Yep. Always dedicated and committed to them, and that's something that people should really understand. Nice. Yeah, I'm. I, I I'm just going to wrap this up here. I, I, I do like that. Patriots jersey that they give the fan of the year now. I'm going to have to have one made. I'm mine will be a double zero, but I need to get a new jersey. My Willie McGinnis jersey is is kind of getting old here, <laughs> so I'm going to have one made for myself here. But I definitely want to thank you, Joe. This is Joe Mastrangelo. He's uh, his father was who the trophy is named after the uh, Patriots fan of the year award. Um, and I'd like to thank you for doing this mini this mini podcast here, this mini soda as we're calling it, for our podcast uh, view from the cheap seats. And if you want, go to the Patriots website right now, people, and you can sign up for the uh, 2018 Patriot Fan of the Year. The competition, I guess, is now open, right? I believe it is, yes. Yes, it is. So we'll see who gets picked for the 2018 Fan of the Year. I really, like I said, I'd like to thank you, Joe, for doing this little interview with me here, and I appreciate you spending your time here. Thank you, Dave. You're you're very kind. All right. 
it was good to talk to you here. I have, I have your email. I'll send you some pictures of the shrine here once in a while, all right? Yes, would, would you uh, please send me uh, the uh, how I can hear the podcast? I, I don't, I'm not an IT guy, so. Yeah, same here. I'll have my son send you the link to the podcast. And this will be, this is an addition. We did a, another mini-sode last week, so it's an addition to our podcast. We usually do it right after the uh, Patriots game. It's me, my son, AJ, and Poolin, and it's called View from the Cheap Seats. But once again, Joe, thank you very much. And it was good talking to you again. Thank you, Dave. Take All right, care. bye-bye.